Well, good morning, my friends. It's awesome to be believers together, isn't it? I mean, it's just so fantastic. I was thinking, you know when you're singing, you raise your hands, and people say, I wonder why they do that. Well, the Bible talks about lifting holy hands to the Lord, but we were reading something in one of our devotionals this week, Vi and I were, that when uh, you walk into a room and you have a small child, usually the child runs up to you and they're, you know, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy. When, you know, they want you to pick them up, so they raise their arms. And when we're singing, it's pick me up, daddy, you know, to the Lord. Just amazing. Anyway, another thing I wanted to mention is that uh, I ordered a baptistry, a portable baptistry, and it will be in uh, this Friday. And there's a sign-up sheet out there in the bulletin board that if you've never been baptized as a believer, to make sure you put your name down. It's one thing to be baptized as an infant and so forth. Some of us uh, have gone through that particular ceremony. But to be baptized as a believer, you need to read, read Romans. It is the testimony of our faith that I have been born again. And so just put your name. And what we plan on doing is having a special evening service when we do the baptismal service, and it'll give people a chance to, if they desire, to give their testimony and so forth, and for all of us to join together. It'll be set up down in the fellowship hall. We'll have chairs set up as they are up here. And so put your name down if you've never been baptized and you would like to be. Now, also, um, it's important for you to read your chapters. You know, we're covering a chapter uh, for each service now, because Pastor Frank Jr. and I realized that if we were going through the Bible the way we had been, you know, each doing a few verses, that it would take us about 23 years. And uh, <laughs> so we decided we are going to do a, a, a chapter apiece. And sometimes the chapters are quite long, and it's very difficult for us to be able to read every verse. So make sure you read the chapters the week ahead of time that we're going to be covering. It's just like um, if you are taking uh, classes. Remember when you're in college, you didn't go into class and the professor stood up there and read the chapter. You were supposed to read the chapter before you came in, and he just gave the highlights of it and things that you needed to know. So read your chapters. Okay, let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus, Yeshua's name, and how thankful we are <clears throat> for the salvation that you so freely gave to anyone who calls upon your name the salvation that we share together. And I pray, Lord, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and minister to us and speak to each one of us this morning that we might hear from your word what you desire to say to each one of us. And so, Father, I pray and ask for your anointing that you would use me to minister to these, your people. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, uh, Israel and Ai are such an example for us Christians who desire to fight the good fight. I think all of us desire to fight the good fight, the fight of faith. In fact, uh, Paul, in speaking to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6.12, he says this, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. So Paul is saying uh, to Timothy, you fight the good fight. But then in 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul says, I have fought the, fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so you cannot win the battles the Lord has for you unless you're willing to fight the fight, fight the good fight. And understand, it's a, it'd be a wonderful thing if the day you got saved, it was like, nothing ever happened. Everything was great. You were walking around in, you know, on rose petals. And, but that's not the case. 
After you're born again, you still live this life. And in living this life, there's going to be difficulties, there's going to be great times, but there's also going to be hard times. And so we have to trust the Lord through it all. Because um, the battles are the Lord's. But one of the things we have to understand is if there is sin in your camp, Pastor Frank Jr., he covered the account of Achan in the last service, the previous chapter. And um, you have to realize that Israel went up against Jericho and had a great victory. By the way, this is just a little side note, if you want to take a side note. If uh, you can, can lay hold of a Thompson Chain Reference Bible and you go to the archaeological section, they found the walls of Jericho. And they didn't fall down, they were pushed into the ground. It's amazing if you see the actual pictures. So when God gives the victory, he gives the victory. It's absolutely amazing. But the Lord uh, now was bringing them to go further on into the promised land. And the people, because of the great victory they had in Jericho, they thought they could go on without God's help. We had this great victory, now I'll, t I'll handle this. And so they go against Ai, and they were routed and defeated. And so in this chapter, it's bringing us to a point where God is saying, I'm sending you against Ai again only this time is following my instructions, and it's going by my will and purpose, not your own. Now, the point is that when they went against AI, they were routed and defeated because they had sin in the camp. And Pastor Frank Jr. covered that perfectly. You have to make sure you listen to his message when you get a chance. But the thing we have to understand is God has victories in our life that he wants us to win, but we have to make sure we don't have sin in our camp. You know, we might not have idols and, and gold that we have stored away in our camp, but there might be idols in our heart, in our life, things that we put before God. And so we have to make sure that we confess them, bring them to the Lord, and then the battle is the Lord's, and we'll have the victory. And if they would have prayed, if Israel would have prayed before they went in the battle, God would have showed them, and it would have avoided that great defeat. And so everything you and I enter into, brothers and sisters, enter into it with fervent prayer. Not just, now I lay me down. You know, I mean fervent prayer. Do you ever think of that prayer that we used to say when we were a child? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. I, I, I used to be like, uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, really think of it. It's a crazy prayer, isn't it? But, I, you know, I understand the point of it. But we can't just say, now I lay me prayers. We really have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is a battle I'm facing. This is a battle you're sending, sending me into. I need you to show me if there's anything in my life that's going, going to prohibit the victory. And the Lord will point out and show you, you know, the idols in your life that you need to remove. So in Joshua chapter 8, in verses 1 through 8, it says this. Now the Lord said to Joshua... Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given, uh, I have given it into your hands. Uh, I have given into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, his land. And uh, you shall do to Ai and his king as you did to Jericho and its king. Now listen, only its spoils and its cattle you shall take as booty for yourself. So the Lord now was telling them, you went up against Ai in your own strength, and you were defeated. 
But now I'm sending you against AI in my strength, and you're going to have the victory. Because we have to understand, at this point, the sin was dealt with. Pastor Frank Jr. covered that perfectly, of how Achan had confessed, and, and uh, it was uh, a great, great study. But the sin had been dealt with, and uh, so now it's different. Because in the first battle, they went against AI in the flesh, and now they're going to go against AI in the spirit. And the same thing is true for you and I. It's so easy for us to go into battle, to enter the battles of our life in the flesh, and you'll probably be defeated than if you go into the battles in your life in the spirit. Well, how do we do that? Well, number one, we have to be believers. We have to be born again. But number two, we need to trust the Lord. Lord, you show me what to do or show me what not to do. You show me how to do this or handle this or give me direction. Because sometimes the Lord's direction is not now. There are often times we think we have a battle. I got to fight this battle. I got to do this. And the Lord is saying, not now. It's not time. The sins of the Amorite are not yet full. You understand what I mean? So we have to wait until the Lord is directing us and he will give us the victory. Now, when we go against our enemies, the enemies of our soul, it has to be in the strength of the Lord and the purity of heart. And so the only way that we can have the strength of the Lord and the purity of our heart giving us the, the strength that we need and, and, to, and the foundation to have the victory is through confession and repentance, being honest with ourselves. It's so easy to know the faults of everyone else. But sometimes it's difficult to recognize our own. And so we have to be willing to go before the Lord and say, oh Lord, if there be any wicked way in me. Remember, David said that. If there be any wicked way in me, show me, Lord. And he will because he loves us. Now, uh, it's interesting because even though they were going to defeat the people of Ai, God did say you could take you know, the cattle and, the, and so forth as a booty, all their stuff, and keep it for yourself as a reward. And so we have to realize that even though you and I have battles to fight, it doesn't mean that there can't be good things that come out of it. There might be things that we need to destroy in our lives, things we need to eliminate in our lives, but it doesn't mean the good things don't necessarily uh, come our way as well. I'll give you a kind of a you know, silly example. Let's say uh, you went to your physician last Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Anyway, let's say you went to your physician and, and they said to you, you need to lose weight. <laughs> you need to go on a good diet. Well, you're going to have to cut things out. You know what I'm saying? There's going to, be, going to be certain foods you have to cut out of your life, but it doesn't mean that there aren't other good foods that the Lord's going to give you. But those are healthy. And the same thing is true in all of our battles. The Lord might have things that he's cutting out of your life because they're harmful to you, they're destructive to you, but he's going to give you good things, to not only to replace them, but good things for your life. And um, in verses 3 through 8, it makes it clear that we have to have a plan. God laid out this elaborate plan for the children of Israel when they went in against Ai. And... So often, Christians feel, well, I belong to Christ. I don't need to plan anything. God will just do it. Well, God is more than capable of just doing it, but oftentimes, he wants us to have a plan. And so we have to be open to what the Lord might be showing us in order to have the plan that we need 
to go against you know, the enemies of our heart, the enemies of our life, and to have victories. Now, our battles are real. And uh, being a believer does not take away the fact that you're going to have problems. Even as a believer, you're going to have problems. Even as believers, you're going to have battles. And so we have to remember to just put them in the Lord's hands and say, Lord, I give them to you. You show me what to do. And he will. And some say... Um, well, I just trust God. If I'm a real believer, God will take care of it. I, I just trust the Lord. Well, that is true, but it might not be his plan. For instance, you might have a medical condition, and you say, well, God will just take care of it. Well, he could. He could heal you instantly. He could take care of it. He could give you wisdom. But there are times that you need to go to the proper physician. In order to get the help you need to have victory, God can use physicians too. You follow what I'm saying? And so we have to trust the Lord for the plan and direction you know, that he might be giving us. And then in Joshua 8, verses 9 through 17, I'm not going to be reading this, but it's, it's, uh, in this portion we find that it's not enough to have a plan, but the plan has to be carried out. I have had the best most effective workout plans that any of you have ever seen. The problem has always been carrying it out. I mean, I tell people I'm in a regular exercise program at least three or four times a year. But you guys know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been into an exercise program and say, hey, this is, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And you have maybe two weeks that you work out and you say, I feel so good, I'm just going to stop. That's how silly we are, but you guys understand what I'm talking about. Now, the thing is, his plans might seem crazy. They might seem really crazy, but trust him, because that might be the very way he's going to carry out his plan and give you the victory. I'm going to give you um, um, a personal example to give you an idea of how we can trust the Lord. When I... Uh, when I was in Puerto Rico as a uh, uh, high school principal, and then the uh, superintendent of schools was fired, and they appointed me as superintendent of the schools. And I was only like, what, 31, 32, something like that. Young, very young compared to... But anyway, to, to make it very mild, we hated Puerto Rico. I am not a warm climate person. And it was hot and it was humid. Caliente humido. Hot and humid. And I really didn't like being there. But I had a two year contract. I was going to fulfill it. And then, on top of that, I contracted dengue fever, which is a mosquito borne infection. The symptoms are much like malaria, only you have to be reinfected each time. The problem is, once you've been infected, you get reinfected over and over again. So I went to uh, my, my physician, and he said to me, you have to get out of the tropics. I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> all right. And um, so I came home, and I talked to Vi about it, and I said, you know, we really uh, need to get out of the tropics. I need to resign. But there's just some problems that um, we went to Puerto Rico, um, and we didn't have a lot of money in the bank, actually. I don't know if we had any. And uh, they moved us there and so forth. So here we are in Puerto Rico. And 
I was one year of a two-year contract. I had dengue fever. I wasn't sure that the, uh, the board would accept my resignation. We had no way to pay to move back home. You have to understand the, the cost of moving across the ocean. It was very, very expensive. So we had no way to move back home. And when we got back home, I had no money. I had no job. And so there were a lot of like, oh, my word, what are we going to do? And, and on top of that, when we moved to Puerto Rico, we rented our house out. So we didn't even have a home to move back into when we went back. And so I talked to my darling wife about it, and I said, um, I'm just going to tell them, because this was the truth, I don't feel qualified to be superintendent. I don't feel I have the training and education to be superintendent of schools. And Vi said to me, no, I want you to use the health reason, and that's it. And I said, no, the Lord put it in my heart. I'm going to be honest and say I don't feel qualified for this job. And Vi told me I can share this, so you don't have to be looking at her when I say this. <laughs> and she got very angry. You ever see the Hulk? <laughs> and she got very angry. And she said, you can't do that. You're not going to accept that. You used the hell. And she went into the bedroom and slammed the door. And as soon as she slammed the door, the Lord spoke to her words of wisdom. Obey your husband. He did. And she came out and said, okay, I'm going to accept what the Lord's given you. I'll, I'll go along with it. I'll obey it. So I wrote out the letter of resignation. I turned it in. They accepted it. Not with joy, necessarily. <laughs> but they accepted my letter of resignation. They offered to pay our complete moving expenses back home. They gave me two months severance pay so I'd have time to find a job when we got home. And the woman who we had rented our house to wrote us a letter saying, I have to leave early. I have to get out of my, my lease early. Is that okay? So here... We had our moving expenses back, we had our house to go into, and I had two months of, of uh, severance pay in order to find another job. Absolutely amazing. That's how God works. And then we said to the Lord, Lord, I need to have a job on such and such a date because my severance pay is going to run out. And uh, we actually set a date. And we didn't realize when we set that date it was a Sunday. And I had interviewed for a job I really wanted. There's a lot of competition. And I, anyway, I was interviewing for this job. And on Sunday, and wasn't it a holiday or something too? It was Father's Day. On Sunday and Father's Day, I get a call from the owner of the company telling me he wanted me to take the position. Bam! Just like that. God is so amazing. I mean, do you understand how many things came into action in order for me to be able to uh, you know, fulfill what I felt the Lord was calling me to do. And I think all of this was just preparing me for the ministry. And um, I won't get into all of that right now. So, even when his plans seem crazy, you need to trust him. Now, in Joshua chapter 8, verses 18 through 29, the Lord now is able to turn what seemed to be defeat into victory. Because remember what the children of Israel were going to do. They're going to go against Ai, and when the men of Ai came out, they're going to turn around and pretend they were retreating, just like they did the last time, which would bring the whole city, you know, the whole garrison out of Ai to follow them. 
And so there are times when we're following the Lord, it might seem like there's a defeat. But then there's a time that the Lord will, just like he told Joshua, he said, turn and raise your spear towards Ai. And for us, the spear of the sword is the word of God. And so there is a time that maybe we have to run, but there's a time to stop and turn around and fight. And God will give you the victory because that's the kind of God he is. Because how many times in our life have we said, boy, it doesn't seem like things are going very well. And then it all works out. Really, all of us could give testimony of that. When things seem to be going crazy and not working out, all kinds of problems, all kinds of difficulties, and then the Lord turns it around. Sometimes our greatest defeats can turn into the greatest victories. And sometimes things that are happening in our lives that we think, why is this happening? The Lord is using. He's, you know, why did they get dengue fever? Well, part of it was to give me the motivation to do what I needed to do. Now, in, uh, one of the things we have to realize, too, is it's not necessarily putting the ingredients together, but it's the outcome that we're concerned about. And uh, I remember when I was little, I used to watch my mother make uh, homemade cake right from scratch, not a box. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. Vi makes homemade cake once in a while. Anyway, um, I remember my mother making homemade cake, and you ever taste like the, that vanilla? You know, it looks like so good. It's bitter. And the ingredients, like if you eat raw flour, you know, <laughs> the ingredients are awful. But once, once it's put together, the finished product is beautiful. So we can't look at the process that God might be using in our life. Look to the finished product he's going to give you, and it's going to be a good product. Sometimes the most difficulties that we face are the best. You know, um, <clears throat> I'll just give you one more personal example. I should, well, anyway. Um, everyone tells me I should write a book. Because if there's anyone who can be sure of the Lord and, and, and of calling into the ministry, I mean, God has been so good and kind to me because I'm dense. You know, I, I need a, a, a lot of sharp, you know, things. But anyway, once again, I had the call into the ministry, and I shared that whole thing with you of how, you know, Vine, I got saved and had the call into the ministry and like that. And the Lord was specifically, specifically calling me to the Onondaga Indian Reservation. That's how we initially came here to Syracuse. And um, we had a house that we owned. You remember the woman left early? We were able to move into it. And the problem is the housing market at that time, we're talking how many years ago, by? Yeah, it was during the, the Carter administration, and the housing market, if you recall, was horrible. And the Lord put it on my heart to sell the house on our own. And so Vi and I painted a sign, which we still have in our garage, and it says, for sale by owner. And uh, everyone said to us, in this housing market, you have to have a realtor. You're never going to sell your house I said, well, this is what the Lord told me to do. So I put a for sale by owner sign in our front yard. We, we put it in the newspaper that our house is up for sale. And you know how many people came to see our house? None. Not one came to look at our house. And the interesting thing is, once again, we set a date. I'm not saying you should be date sitters, okay? But that's what the Lord showed us. We set a date that the house had to be sold by this date 
in order for us to be able to move to Onondaga to the reservation and to do the ministry. In fact, we decided even if the house didn't sell, we're still going and following the Lord's will. On that date that we set, the house had to be sold by, this woman came to our house, opened the front door. Our house was a split foyer. You know, you go down and you go up. She walked into to our house and she said, I'll take it. On the day, the very day that we said it had to be sold by. And so we said, okay. <laughs> That's how God works. And so even when the plans seem crazy and it seems like it wouldn't work out, God will work it out. And um, there's never any need to doubt the Lord and what he's able to do. And so the Lord can turn what seems to be defeat into victory in your life as well. And, uh, you know, one of the things is that the Lord always shows us. He always shows us when it's time to stop running and to start fighting. Sometimes, you know, it's good to not fight. Sometimes it's good to turn around and try to walk away. You ever hear the term, discretion can be the better part of valor? Well, sometimes it's good to say, you know what, this isn't time to fight. This isn't going to be worth it. But then there are times the Lord says, it's time to fight. It's time to take a stand, and he will show you. And one of the things that's interesting, it tells us in James 4, 7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so we have to understand there are times that maybe we have to run in defeat, but then there are times we have to stop, take a stand, resist the devil, and he will flee from us, and he'll give us the victory. And one of the things that is gruesome, but it was interesting, is that they were told to take the king of Ai and hang him from a tree in front of the city as a testimony of the work of God. And to us, what it is, there are times that God gives us a great victory, and we have to be willing to testify to it. In other words, in a sense, to hang it on a tree that everyone can see what God has done for us. It's important for us to be willing to tell others what God has done in giving us victories in our life. But an interesting point is, at sundown, they were to take the body of Ai down and bury him, put a heap of stone over him. And in the same way, we might have victories that we tell people about, but you know what? There's a time that we need to bury that victory and move on to the next victory. But there are some people who spend all their life telling them, telling others about the victories they had 40 years ago. You know what I'm saying? You have to move on. Okay, the Lord gave you this victory, move on to the next. And then in verses 30 through 35, we find that Joshua takes no credit for the Lord's victory, but he gives all the credit to the Lord. Remember when they were defeated, and Pastor Frank uh, Jr. gave a beautiful illustration of this. You know, Joshua's like crying, wow, why did we ever cross the river? We should have stayed on the other side where we had peace and we had manna and this and that. And it was no different than when the children of Israel were saying, why did we cross, you know, uh, out of Egypt? Why did we come out of Egypt? We should have stayed there, the Red Sea. But anyway, um, Joshua was told by God when he was crying on the ground, saying, why did we do this? The Lord said, get up. Go back and see the words. He said, get up. And there are times the Lord needs to say that to you and I, too. Get up. I mean, there's a time to mourn and a time to cry, but then there's a time to get up. Trust the Lord. Move on. You have to understand that our life is not about this life. Do you know that? 
Our life is about the life to come. This physical life we have, even if we live to be... My mother-in-law on the 4th of July turned 100, and we have a video of her dancing with our granddaughter. And seriously. But even if she lives to be 104, you know, my greatest fear has always been that my mother-in-law would outlive me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and she probably will. <laughs> but the point I'm getting at is... Um, even if she lives to be 104, that's a blink of an eye compared to eternity. It's appointed unto every man wants to die and then judgment. Barring the rapture, every single one of us are going to die. And there should be no fear in death. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. There should be no fear. I mean, life is full of struggles. Sickness, illness, accidents, tragedies. But our reward isn't in this life. In this life you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's the hope we have in Christ. One day we're going to be with him. It's absolutely going to be amazing. And um, anyway... Uh, we have to make sure that we give God all the glory for what's happened. We can't just be lying on our bellies crying. And I, there's a perfect example in Acts of what happens when you touch God's glory. In other words, let's say the Lord works some great thing in your life. You know, if you're kind of like, oh yeah, I understand why God worked that. I mean, I'm just great. I mean, he, who else would he use but me? That's taking God's glory. If God does anything in your life, it's a miracle. <laughs> and we need to be humble servants saying, thank you, Jesus, for using me. I don't deserve to be used, but thank you for using me. Thank you, Jesus. That's the kind of people we have to be. In Acts chapter 12, and verses 21 through 24, I'm going to read a portion. It's going to probably blow your mind. So on a set day, Herod, King Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, he sat on his throne, and he gave an oration to them, to the people. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a God, not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him, Herod the king, because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of the Lord grew and multiplied. <laughs> and so we have to understand if we take the glory of the Lord, it's not a good thing. And we must never, never, never touch what belongs to God. And the only thing that we can ever, that we can ever have in our favor is obedience. The only thing that we can conjure up in ourselves is obedience. Obey the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But obey the Lord, and he'll also give you the protection, and he'll also give you the promises that he's made, that we would be with him. And so when you read portions like this, it's so amazing, because you see how God is able to work, even through the most difficult circumstances. And, and life is difficult, right? You know, I was talking to someone uh, earlier, in fact, it was during prayer time, and uh, this is actually a, a saying Vi always has, is the biggest surprise in life is old age. And it's true. It's amazing. You look and you, and you think, how did I get here? I mean, I was 16 yesterday. How did, how did I get here? 
And, and, and all of a sudden, your social calendar is booked up with doctor's appointments, you know. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, we are where the Lord has us. And we have to be content where the Lord has us. And we have to be willing to be used where the Lord has us. Father, we come before you in Jesus, Yeshua's name, and how we thank you for the love that you so poured out on us through the sacrifice of your Son, that whoever calls upon his name shall not perish but have eternal life. And I pray, Father, that the things that we looked at this morning, you would, by your Holy Spirit, help us to apply those to our life and to our heart. And I pray, Lord, too, that you'd be preparing each one of us to share in this sacrament that we call communion. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You know, it's interesting. We call this a sacrament. And in order for something to be a sacrament, it had to, number one, have been participated in by Jesus Christ and something that he told us to continue doing. So this is the sacrament of communion. And what it means to each one of us is the remembrance, because remember, Jesus participated in what? Baptism and communion. Those are the two sacraments. If you haven't been baptized, sign up. And then we have communion. But communion represents to us uh, what God has done, that each one of us can have eternal life. Do this in remembrance of me. I mean, that's what all communion tables say. And it's a reminder. Do you understand that before you were saved, before you were born again, you were going to hell? Hell's real. Jesus talked about hell more than any other person in the Bible. Hell is real. And Jesus doesn't send anyone to hell. People say, how can God send anyone to hell? Jesus doesn't send anyone to hell. That's where you're going. You're heading that way. And he said, here, stop. There's a way out. You don't have to go to hell. He's the one who gave the promise and gave the way to leave that path of destruction and come into eternal life in Christ Jesus. So he, it's a beautiful sacrament because what it says to each one of us, we can have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And when he was with his disciples in the upper room during the Last Supper, in fact, it's interesting, in, in one of our trips to Israel, we sat in what they believed was the upper room where communion took place. It was very, very amazing. But anyway, he, first he took the bread, and it would have been unleavened bread, like this, matzah from your local Wegmans, but it is unleavened bread. And he took it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. Understand, everything Jesus did, he did for us. For God so loved, agapeos, unconditional love, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, and you know who's included in whoever? Whoever. No one is eliminated. Whoever, you know, believes in him shall have eternal life. What a blessing. What a promise. And so we have to understand that when we take communion, it's a testimony to our hearts and to others what Jesus has done for us. His body was broken. He was unrecognizable as a man, Scripture tells us, by the way he was beaten and mistreated. And he said, I did this for you. And then he took the cup. And he said, in this, this represents the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant of grace and mercy. That you don't have to attain a certain level of righteousness. All you have to do is confess your unrighteousness. 
and God will forgive you and give you eternal life. And then he passed that sacrament to his disciples. And it was the last thing he participated in with his disciples before his death. So communion is special. It's not magic. It's in our own heart that communion has meaning. When we eat of that bread, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. When we drink of that blood, thank you, Jesus, for the remission of sin by the shedding of your blood. It means something. And so, if I could have my brothers come forward. that we call communion and I pray that you would prepare each heart to receive it and we give you thanks in Jesus name Amen
best table in the world to come to. Understand, this is a representation to us. All our sins are forgiven and taken from us as far as the east is from the west and remembered no more. What a loving God. What a precious God. Take, eat, and drink and be so thankful to your God. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to share communion together. And I pray that you would bless it to our spirit's nourishment and our heart's encouragement. And Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here who doesn't know you, this would be the day of their salvation, that they would be born again. And so I give you thanks, Lord, for all things, all things that you give so freely to each one of us. And I pray this in Jesus, Yeshua's name, amen and amen. God bless you, my friends.